Today is the 17th day of December. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian, and it is a joy and a privilege and an honor to be here with you today, and a comfort, too, to be around the global campfire together and move forward together is very, very comforting. It's a comforting rhythm to be a part of, and so I'm glad we could be together today. We are continuing our journey, obviously, through the scriptures this year, but we're continuing our journey through the minor prophets. And so we have reached the seventh of the minor prophets, and we will read it in its entirety today. The book of Nahum. And there's pretty much nothing known about Nahum's life. His name, the name Nahum, means comfort. And the book of Nahum says he's from Elkosh. So we know that. We just don't know what Elkosh is. Was it a town? Was it a village? Did it have a wall? Where was it? We're not sure. Trying to place a date on this prophecy. There are some references to work with. So Nahum mentions the conquest of Thebes by the Assyrian Empire. Thebes is in Egypt, and this is a historical event. It happened in 663 BC. So he's referring to this event, and it doesn't seem like he's saying it prophetically like it's a future event. And so we can assume that Nahum was written after 663 BC. He also talks about the fall of Nineveh, which also happened historically. And that happened in 612 BC. And so, so Nahum probably wrote this prophetic utterance between 663 BC and 612 BC, between the two events that are mentioned. And this prophetic work is to foretell the destruction of Nineveh. And that was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And Nineveh is not foreign to us. It's only been a couple of days ago that we read the entire book of Jonah. And we certainly remember his adventures, but he was to go to Nineveh to deliver the message of judgment. The Ninevites responded with repentance, and God was merciful. Nahum, on the other hand, the book that we're about to read is about 150 years later than Jonah and the Ninevites did not stay in a state of repentance before the Lord. They were brutal. They were evil. The way that they treated the people that they conquered was awful. And by the time Nahum prophesies, the Assyrian Empire had destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. And the ten tribes of the north were carried into exile by the Assyrians. And they were assimilated and disappeared from history as tribes after that. Now it's a little different than Jonah because Nahum wasn't sent to Nineveh to declare anything. In fact, many scholars believe that Nahum's prophecy would have been an encouragement to the kingdom of Judah and that it was probably written there in the kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel was gone 
the Assyrian Empire had taken it over and they were moving people in, basically colonizing uh, other conquered peoples and relocating them and just moving people around so that they didn't have an ancestral homeland other than the empire itself. And so for those in the kingdom of Judah, having seen this up close and personal and being worried about it, then what Nahum has to say would have brought encouragement to the people in the kingdom of Judah. Regardless, Nahum shows us once again that God is most merciful and most patient, but he is not weak and he will not be manipulated and he will not stand for a nation's sin forever. And with that, we'll read Nahum, which contains three chapters. We're reading from the English Standard Version this week, which is today, Nahum 1 through 3. An Oracle Concerning Nineveh. The Book of the Vision of Nahum of Elkosh. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before him. The world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of the adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness. What do you plot against the Lord? He will make a complete end. Trouble will not rise up a second time, for they are like entangled thorns, like drunkards as they drink. They are consumed like stubble, fully dried. From you came one who plotted evil against the Lord, a worthless counselor. Thus says the Lord, Though they are at full strength and many, they will be cut down and pass away. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. And now I will break his yoke from off you and will burst your bonds apart. The Lord has given commandment about you. No more shall your name be perpetuated. From the house of your gods, I will cut off the carved image and the metal image. I will make your grave for you are vile. Behold, upon the mountains, 
the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. Keep your feasts, O Judah. Fulfill your vows, for never again shall the worthless pass through you. He is utterly cut off. The scatterer has come up against you. Man the ramparts. Watch the road. Dress for battle. Collect all your strength. For the Lord is restoring the majesty of Jacob as the majesty of Israel. For plunderers have plundered them and ruined their branches. The shield of his mighty men is red. His soldiers are clothed in scarlet. The chariots come with flashing metal on the day he musters them. The cypress spears are brandished. The chariots race madly through the streets. They rush to and fro through the squares. They gleam like torches. They dart like lightning. He remembers his officers. They stumble as they go. They hasten to the wall. The siege tower is set up. The river gates are opened. The palace melts away. Its mistress is stripped. She is carried off. Her slave girls lamenting, moaning like doves and beating their breasts. Nineveh is like a pool whose waters run away. Halt! Halt! They cry, but none turns back. Plunder the silver. Plunder the gold. There is no end of treasure or of the wealth of all precious things. Desolate. Desolation and ruin. Hearts melt and knees tremble. Anguish is in all loins. All faces grow pale. Where is the lion's den? The feeding place of the young lions where the lion and lioness went where his cubs were, with none to disturb. The lion tore enough for his cubs and strangled prey for his lionesses. He filled his caves with prey and his dens with torn flesh. Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will burn your chariots in smoke, and the sword shall devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the earth, and the voice of your messengers shall no longer be heard. Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder. No end to the prey. The crack of the whip and rumble of the wheel, galloping horses and bounding chariot, horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear, hosts of slain, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end. They stumble over the bodies, and all for the countless whorings of the prostitute, graceful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whorings and peoples with her charms. Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts, and will lift up your skirts over your face. And I will make nations look at your nakedness and kingdoms at your shame. 
I will throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. And all who look at you will shrink from you and say, Wasted is Nineveh. Who will grieve for her? Where shall I seek comforters for you? Are you better than Thebes that sat by the Nile with water around her, her rampart, a sea, and water, her wall? Cush was her strength, Egypt too, and that without limit. Put and the Libyans were her helpers, yet she became an exile. She went into captivity. Her infants were dashed in pieces at the head of every street. For her honored men, lots were cast, and all her great men were bound in chains. You also will be drunken. You will go into hiding. You will seek a refuge from the enemy. All your fortresses are like fig trees with first ripe figs. If shaken, they fall into the mouth of the eater. Behold, your troops are women in your midst. The gates of your land are wide open to your enemies. Fire has devoured your bars. Draw water for the siege. Strengthen your forts. Go into the clay. Tread the mortar. Take hold of the brick mold. There will the fire devour you. The sword will cut you off. It will devour you like the locust. Multiply yourselves like the locust. Multiply like the grasshopper. You increased your merchants more than the stars of the heavens. The locust spreads its wings and flies away. Your princes are like grasshoppers. Your scribes like clouds of locusts settling on the fences in a day of cold. When the sun rises, they fly away. No one knows where they are. Your shepherds are asleep, O king of Assyria. Your nobles slumber. Your people are scattered on the mountains with none to gather them. There is no easing your hurts. Your wound is grievous. All who hear the news about you clap their hands over you. For upon whom has not come your unceasing evil? Revelation 8 When the Lamb opened the seventh seal... There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints, rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. 
The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Psalm 136 His steadfast love endures forever. Before I read this, and it's pretty rare for me to jump in, but before I read this, this is like liturgical. This is a call and response, and the response is, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so we can all participate together as we move through Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, 
for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Proverbs 30, 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Father, we thank you for your word. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the scriptures and what they mean to us and what they mean to our lives. We are grateful and we thank you for bringing us together yet another day in community and bringing us to the conclusion of yet another week, one of the very few remaining in this year. And we thank you for the journey that we've been on and we look forward to continuing this journey knowing that you have much for us. The days may be few, but that doesn't mean you don't have exactly what we need for us to enrich and strengthen and mature us. And so, Holy Spirit, come into all that we've read this week, planted in our lives. May it become fruit of the Spirit, and may it be used for advancing your kingdom. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is home base. It is the website. It is where you can find out what's happening around here. The Daily Audio Bible app does that in the palm of your hand and you can get the app from whatever, whatever app store works with your phone. And uh, you can download that for free. Just look for Daily Audio Bible. But obviously, it's 
It's Christmas around here. Can you believe it? A week from today is Christmas Eve. Like, wow. We are here. And so it is Christmas that is going around, uh, on around here as well as everywhere else. But um, the Daily Audio Bible Christmas box, the family Christmas for 2022, is still available. And this is pretty much it. This is pretty much the last call. We're going to do one more shipment. And uh, then it's, I mean, we're going to be in Christmas week, so all of us will be settling in for the festivities. And so this is kind of last call on the Christmas box 2022 for arrival in time for Christmas. So check that out. You can find it in the Daily Audio Bible shop, either on the web or in the app. Just look for the Christmas category and you'll find it in there. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, thank you. Thank you humbly. We couldn't or wouldn't be here. It wouldn't be possible for the global campfire to exist if we weren't around it together. And so thank you as we approach the end of the year humbly for your partnership. There is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com. If you are using the app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button in the app. Or you can dial 877-942-4253. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you, and I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Hello, DAB. This is Alyssa from Colorado. I called a while back asking for prayer for my baby because I am pregnant, and I also have kidney failure. I'm on dialysis, so my pregnancy is pretty high risk. And it is a complete miracle from the Lord. I am now five months along. Praise the Lord. And I just wanted to ask for prayers um, for my baby again, just that there's a lot of complications, potential things that could go wrong um, with the pregnancy, a lot like maybe preterm delivery, just like lots of different things. And so I just wanted to ask for prayer that the Lord would sustain my baby boy um, and help my body to be able to carry him all the way to term. Um, so if you could pray for that, that would be absolutely amazing. Thank you guys so much. You guys are a wonderful community, and I feel so blessed to be a part of this global campfire. Thank you, and God bless each and every one of you. Have an awesome day. This is Candace from Oregon. I'm not feeling good. I'd love it if you all prayed that God would restore me to full health. I'm... Uh, I'm about to have a heart stress test. I've had two emergency room visits in the last 48 hours. So, so Candace from Oregon, and I need y'all to know how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. And wow, you know, like you guys are unbelievable fellowship. So thank you. And Brian, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep it up. Love y'all. Hi, Dad family. This is Prisoner of Hope. I just wanted to share something with you that I heard 
in community prayer. This was actually a few months ago. I heard somebody calling in and asking and praying for first responders. And I thought that they meant they were praying for those who call in to pray and those who um, are praying in the background. And I just got it wrong. They were praying for firemen, policemen, you know, all those types of, of workers. But it just made me think, well, wait, wait a second. I, what I heard actually is true in a sense, not that that's what they were praying for, but that we are first responders. We respond to every person, you know, that calls in and asks for prayers. And you know who you are who are praying. And I know there are so many people who are praying in the background and um, that we never even hear your voice. But I just wanted you to be blessed and think of yourself as I think of myself as a first responder. So I just wanted to share that with you because I think that that's a neat way to look at what these people need in their emergencies and in their desperations and in their in their needs. So I just wanted to share that with you. That's it. Bye, but Dab family, I love you and God bless you. Hey, Dab family, this is Jonathan from Denver. I hope you're having a great day today. It is... Tuesday, December 13th, at about four in the afternoon. I just wanted to call in and um, ask for your prayers. I called just yesterday, kind of giving an update, but just wanted to get in touch with the prayer family. Um, Man, is it hard right now. (laughs) Um, I'm just feeling a ton of uncertainty about where I'm going, about my future career, about my relationships, about my romantic relationship right now. Um, It all feels very, very much on shaky ground and um, I just kind of feel in the dark. Um, So I'm asking that you would pray for God to lead me, to help me to take the next step kind of feel a little bit like I'm blindfolded right now, but I'm trying to just, you know, grab the, grab the hem of his robe and take it step by step and find my way through each day. Um, but I just would really appreciate if you could offer your help and your prayers, uh, through all of that, because it certainly ain't easy. Um, I love you all. I am still catching up. I hope to be with you all on December 31st, listening to the December 31st episode. Um, I'll see you then. I love you. Bye. Okay, so in the book of Revelation, you know, we began with seven golden lampstands and then seven letters to seven churches and then seven seals that no one but the Lamb could open. And he opened six of them and we went through that and then today we get to the seventh seal and so as we begin our reading today when he opened the seventh seal there was silence in heaven for about half an hour and that's a pretty dramatic scene to think about silence in heaven for a half an hour and that silence has been contemplated for a long time as has every other word in this book Some scholars uh, think that the silence has to do with the fact that that as the seventh seal is broken and opened, there's no content. There's nothing to be revealed. And the content of the seventh scroll is is contained in the actions that happen next. Uh, Some have said that because it's the seventh seal, 
there was a pause and God rested uh, in sort of Sabbath imagery. Uh, some connect the silence to a suspension of divine uh, revealing or disclosure or revelation. And so then you got to try to figure out how long a half an hour in heaven, uh, what that represents to time on earth, which is a tricky thing to do. Some would say it's just a moment of silence because of uh, what's coming next. And others would say it's everyone is just simply struck to complete silence as the complete plan is finally revealed. And that's just a few thoughts. Either way, there was silence in heaven for a half an hour as the seventh seal is opened. And then seven angels who stand in God's presence were given uh, seven trumpets. And a lot of times these seven angels are associated with the, the seven archangels that are found in Jewish apocalyptic r- literature. Uh, for example, we, we talked about them when we talked about the book of Enoch. So a lot of interpreters think these, these are the seven archangels. These are the main angels in God's presence. And then another angel comes with a gold incense burner and stands at the altar and he has incense to offer before the throne. And so he's offering incense and that's uh, and also at the same time, the prayers of God's people are being offered. And so the smoke from the incense goes up before God, along with the prayers of God's people to God. And, and this imagery is ancient and it, it's still being used in the world today. So depending on what kind of church that you go to, you may experience this every week. But no matter what kind of church you go to, you've probably seen it before where, uh, you know, a, a church service is starting, priests come in, they're carrying certain things, like they're processing the cross in, maybe they have candles. Then somebody has in, an incense burner and they're swinging it, right? And so uh, the smoke is kind of flowing out over the people as they process in. That's what this represents, a pleasing aroma intermingled with the prayers of God's people. That's what it symbolizes. So whether or not you like smells and bells in your worship experience, this is happening in heaven before the throne of God in the book of Revelation. Which is not to say this needs to happen in your church on Sunday. It's just to say this is how these traditions are born. They're not these weirdo uh, things usually. They have a rootedness in something ancient. And when you understand them, they they bring meaning. And so after this, after these prayers are offered to God, along with the incense, the angel then takes the incense burner and fills it with fire from the altar and hurls it down upon the earth. And yeah, then things get a little crazy. Thunder, noise, lightning, an earthquake. And then the seven angels who have the seven trumpets get ready to blow them. And we don't get through all seven trumpet blasts in our reading today. We get through the first four And many scholars and interpreters of the book of Revelation associate the things that happen after the trumpets are blown. So, for example, the the first trumpet's blown and hail and fire mixed with blood are thrown down on the earth. Uh, The second one blows his trumpet and a huge, something like a huge mountain is thrown into the sea and one one third of the seas turned into blood. The third angel blows his trumpet, a huge star flaming like a torch falls from the sky, and one-third of the rivers and and the springs, uh, the waters turn bad. And the fourth trumpet blows, and a third of the sun, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars are struck, so everything is darkened. Many scholars and interpreters uh, find the pattern here to be very reminiscent of the plagues that were sent 
in the book of Exodus upon the Egyptians to set God's people free, and that this in fact is the point of how God's judgment works. Some people will receive the freedom brought from the refinement of judgment. Some people's hearts will be hardened to it, and they will subsequently be destroyed by it. And that holds a lot of water because that's kind of, that's thematic in the whole Bible and helps us have a better understanding of God's judgment and what it does. Those who are righteous, those who are true, those who are pure, who have to endure suffering and hardship are refined by it. And we find that all throughout the New Testament writings. And so the way we have to look at that is that our endurance is bringing about in us something far more mature and strong and loyal and faithful within us. It is sanctifying us. It is recreating us in the image of the Savior and is a necessary part of our transformation, our being reborn. So a person who looks at what they're facing from this perspective understands that all things are being worked together for our good, even if we lose our life in the process because we've learned to not hold on to it, we know that losing it is actually gaining it. And nothing can take us uh, from the presence of God. Nothing can steal us away. And we begin to realize that the presence of God is the one and only thing we can't live without. So when judgment and hardship are on the earth and we encounter it, it is doing something completely different in us than those whose hearts are being hardened by it and to it and who are rejecting God. They will ultimately find justice in their own destruction, in their own hard-heartedness, in what they bring down upon themselves, whereas those who are being true are being refined, purified. And because we're kind of moving into this territory, you know, the argument of, well, what about the rapture? Right? Who, who's going who's gonna to go through this stuff? Won't we be long gone and not have to experience any of this? Or will we actually have to experience some or all of this? How is that going to work? Well, let's wait and see how this whole story unfolds before us. So far, and we're eight chapters into the book of Revelation, so far we could, we could say, okay, we're not trying to do a bunch of interpretation here. We're just trying to move through this territory and point out things and understand what the Revelation is saying and how it has been interpreted in widely diverse ways. So far, we haven't encountered anything like what we would call the rapture. We haven't encountered that yet. And we'll see if we do or, or where we do as we move forward. But one thing that we can say for certain that we're seeing is that as believers, our, our lampstand, our light has to be burning. And we have to stay true. Those are both necessary. And we looked pretty extensively at what that actually looks like when we were looking at the seven short letters to the seven churches. And we can also say that remaining true in spite of hardship or tribulation is imperative. Because what we might be going through is doing something completely different in us than those who are are hard-hearted and rejecting it. When we stay true, When our light is burning, when we are faithful to the message of Jesus, we are changing things around us. And as we change things around us, it is changing us. 
to the point that in the end, even if we have to die, even if we have to lose our lives, we haven't lost our life. It can't be taken from us. These things we can say uh, that we are for sure learning in the book of Revelation. And so, Father, we invite you into that because so much, anytime we talk about suffering, anytime we talk about tribulation, it freaks us out, in part because of this book of Revelation, in part because it, it has pictures in it of things that we would rather not see. And yet you are showing us this is how the new thing that you are doing is born and you have personally invited us to be a part of the story by continuing to bring light and life and good news into this world as we lose ourselves further and further in our relationship with you, as we lose our grip on what we think we can control and find ourselves in you. So come Holy Spirit. Continue the work that you have begun in us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.